0: There are several books that have had a great influence on my life, many of which I have forgotten through the years. In fact, I have forgotten the content of many of them. I recall years ago, I read a book called uh, Try Giving Yourself Away. I was only 17, 18 years of age. I do not recall the content of the book. I do recall the name, the title of the book, and the title had a profound influence on my life. Try giving yourself away. And all I, all I remember is this, is that it, the book taught me how to, no talking please, college students, <coughs> the book taught me, and I'm not kidding, the book taught me how to, to give myself to somebody. I mean by that how to give myself to a cause and not to hold back, but to, to jump into something. And uh, it was a very, very influential book. I'm not sure it's a good book. It may have been, I'm not sure who wrote it. All I know it was it was it was called uh, try giving yourself away. But there's a book, a little book. I think it was a brown book. I'm not sure. It wasn't big, had a <laughs> sort of a uh, fish scale kind of a cover on it. I picked up years ago when I was a young man. That had a had a real influence on my life. I think it was called I Dare You. Is there a book like that? I <clears throat> Dare You. I uh, I recall reading it many years ago. Now, I always, uh, I always, when somebody said I dare you to do something, <laughs> I usually did it. You know, I mean, I just, that just meant it. A <clears throat> fellow said, I dare you to go pick a fight with him. Well, I usually arranged to where uh, we got in the scrap for us over with. And I'm not suggesting you do that. But I'm I'm saying that, that a dare to a, to a man, a real man, is, is sort of, I like saying sick him to a dog, you know. It's just, it's almost making you do it. And uh, but this book, I dare you, I dare you. <clears throat> I've said time and time again to young men, I dare you to do something big. I dare you to do something great. And uh, so I, uh, I was, I was influenced by the words, I dare you, and by the book. Now I don't recall uh, many things the book said. I do recall a fellow, and I still recall a fellow's name, William Hutchins. <laughs> said or was quoted in that book as saying this, A few men build cities. A few men build cities. The rest live in them. A few men build subways. The rest ride them. A few men build factories. The rest toil in them. Now that that I remember. A few men build cities. The rest live in them. A few men build subways. The rest ride them. And a few men build factories, and the rest toil in them. Now, I'm not being critical of those that ride subways and don't build them. I'm not being critical of those that live in cities and don't build them. I'm not being critical of those that work in factories and don't build them. But there needs to rise on the scene every generation a few men to build the factories in which other folks can work. A few men to build the cities where others can live, and a few men to build the subways that others can ride, and a few men who dare to be different, who dare to rise to the top, who dare to do the unusual, who <clears throat> dare to stick their neck out and do all they can and more than they can. I, uh, he goes on to say, <coughs> "I dare you <coughs> I dare you to be your best." Well, Hotna Gandhi one time said, "I never ask a man to give more than, than he can." Yet I ask every man to give all that he can. I never ask a man to give more than he can, but I ask every man to give all that he can. I'm glad that years ago <clears throat> I, I came, up, came on to Ecclesiastes 9 and 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm convinced tonight that the difference between success and failure is hardly ever talent. I'm convinced that the difference between success and failure is hardly ever personality. I'm convinced that the difference between success and failure is almost always a dirty four-letter word spelled W-O-R-K, work. The harder I work, the luckier I get, the slogan says. And I think that's true. I'm not trying to get you tonight to build a subway, but I'm trying to get you to build one if you can. I'm not trying to get you tonight to build a city, but I want you to build one if you can. I'm not trying to get you tonight to build the factory, but I want you to build one if you can. It is a sin. It is not a sin to be the employee. It is not a sin to be the worker. But it is a sin in any endeavor to give less than your best and be less than what you could be. I dare you to be your best. I dare you to rise above mediocrity. I dare you to rise above failure. I dare you to rise above rationalization. I dare you to say, whatever I do, I'll be my best. If I'm a Sunday school teacher, I may not be as good a Sunday school teacher as C.W. Fist. I may not be as good a Sunday school teacher as somebody else, but I'll be the best Sunday school teacher I can be. No talking, college people. No talking. I've said it before. I mean it. I'll give out some to tonight in this service. I want you to hear me. And by the way, when you hear, you ought to hear your best also. I mean, I've got something. Listen, tonight, well, could change your entire life if you let it. I'm trying to say we need some people in this nation who are not satisfied till they give the very best they can to every job they perform. We've, got a, we've got all, gotten away from the work ethic in our country. We've gotten away, gotten to some kind of a philosophy that says, don't work if you can get by without it, and don't, don't give your all. And nowadays, if you do a good job, uh, work the best you can on a job somewhere, some fellows will make fun of you and, and uh, criticize you and want to cause you trouble, cause you do your best. I'll tell you, if you take Greek in college, you ought to learn it the best you can. And if you take English in high school, you ought to give it the best you can. And then if you're a garbage collector, you ought to be the best garbage collector you can be. And if you're a paper boy, you ought to be the very best paper boy you can be. Whatever your hand finds it to do, do it with all your might. Anything less than your best is sin. Anything less than being what you could be is wrong. It's sin. And America's languishing tonight. In mediocrity and failure, we're losing wars we ought not to lose, and we're refusing to fight wars we ought to fight, and we're refusing to defend our shores, and we're satisfied to let Russia beat us in everything. I'm sick and tired of Russia's boxing team beating our boxing team, and I'm sick and tired of Russia's uh, uh, track team beating our track team. I'm sick and tired of us coming in anything less than first in the Olympic Games and everything. I mean, there's a kind of a, of a complex of being a loser and doing a job halfway that's destroying and corrupting this country. I can recall when a farmer in America <coughs> took pride in his crop. And I can recall when a man who was a cobbler took pride in his shoes. I can recall when a man in America held a job, he took pride in that job. We need to go back to this old ethic and philosophy of putting our hand to the plow and giving it all we have and being the very best we can be. And I want you people from First Baptist Church to get this philosophy. If God is giving you the job of being a Sunday school teacher, you be the best one you can be. If God is giving you the job of directing the choir, you be the best one you can be. If God has made you a custodian here, you be the best custodian you can be. You say whatever God gives me to do and whatever God gives me with which to do it. I'm going to do it the very best that I can. I said again, anything less than your best is failure. Anything less than your best is wrong. Anything less than your best is sin. I mean like drunkenness is sin. I mean like stealing is sin. I mean like immorality is sin. I mean like indecency is sin. I mean like lying is sin. Anything less than doing everything you do the fullest. I've often said if I were a bird, I'd fly higher than any bird ever flown. I've often said if I was a dog, I'd bite everybody I could. If I was a poor cat, I'd be the biggest stinker in the county. I'll guarantee you that. I'm so tired of halfway done job. I'm so tired of half in and half out and half on and half off and half hot and half cold, and I'll do pretty good, just enough to get by with, and this country is going to hell tonight because we've got an army that won't give its best. We have a a workforce that won't give its best. We have politicians that won't give their best. We have preachers that won't give their best. You know what the difference from this man right here tonight, Jim Vineyard, and all the mediocre bus captains in America is, our bus workers, directors, work. You know why Dave Hiles, that not quite 22 years of age, already is putting out a book on the youth ministry and is recognized already as the outstanding youth director in America. Why? Because his name is Hiles, not on your life. Work! That's what it is. Work! You know why this man here is recognized as the best soul winner in this nation? Because he does it. That's why. There are plenty of people that have as good a personality as this In fact, I don't know anybody that has as bad one as he does. <laughs> there are plenty of people. But it's work! And this country is full of men that could have great churches And First Baptist churches all across America. If we'd get this philosophy and this ethic, I dare you, I dare you, give your best of whatever you do. Now, (coughs) I called your attention tonight. Four things I dare you to do. I double dog dare you, as we used to say in Texas. First, I dare you to dare. (coughs) I dare you to dare. I dare you to launch out. I dare you to do the best. I dare you to do the unusual. I dare you to give your best. I dare you to dare. We ought to have some young people in our high school that will not be satisfied with the usual. We ought to have some young folks that will not be satisfied with the normal. Now, I'm not saying that I want everybody to be an Einstein or a president, but I am saying that whatever you can do, you ought to do. There was a little weakling, little boy, young man, a weakling, <coughs> ashamed of his physique. Skinny, scrawny. Folks at school laughed at him. He was ashamed to, be, to, to take off his coat. Ashamed of his physique. Ashamed because his little arms were so skinny and his little body was so skinny and so frail. <coughs> One day the teacher stood up before the class He pointed his finger at that little fellow, and he said, Son, I dare you to be the strongest boy in this school. I dare you! And that little weakling boy decided he'd take the dare of the teacher. He started doing lifting weights, and he started uh, taking exercises, and he started eating right, and he took the dare, and he said, I'm going to become the strongest boy in this school. And that little fellow became Charles Atlas, who has been responsible for advertising, I guess, more... Uh, more about bodybuilding and muscle building and so forth. I know that's the way I got all of my muscles was through the Charles Atlas course, and I'm going to recommend it, but the Sully take it. <clears throat> if all that could turn to muscle, think what a giant he'd be, boy. <clears throat> but I'm saying, I'm saying, somebody one day said to a little skinny, frail creature, I dare you. And I say tonight, I dare you. I dare you. I dare you. I dare you. There was a little fellow who had polio when he was a child, crippled. After he had polio, the doctors examined him and said, You'll never walk again, Glenn. You'll never walk again. You'll be a cripple the rest of your life. And that little fellow said, I will walk. I will walk. He dared to walk. He practiced walking and practiced running, until finally he became, for years, he was a mile record holder in this nation. His name was Lynn Cunningham. When I was a young boy, Ben Cunningham was my hero. He held a mile-run record for many, many years, a great runner. Back in the days when Chuck Finsky and Ben Cunningham were having their, their famous races, he said, I will. I'll dare to do it. I'll dare to do it. <clears throat> There's a little lady sitting back there tonight on a wheel in a, in a wheelchair. A little lady, Miss Erickson. <clears throat> you mark my words. She's not going to sit in that wheelchair the rest of her life. That little lady back there had tumor of the brain. One day in the civic center, she said to her husband, I can't see for the house very well. Took her to the doctor. Vision got blurred. Had tumor of the brain. <laughs> they took the tumor out, but it affected her brain and, and her, I mean, her eyesight and her equilibrium. And that little lady sitting back there in that, that, that chair, I admire her tremendously. <clears throat> because you know how she gets around the house? She falls. She could lay on her back, but she won't do it. She crawls like a dog or a cat. Crawled. The other day her husband came in and said, Brother Hiles, guess what? <laughs> Holding up, she's able to walk a little bit now. You watch her, brother. She'll walk. She'll walk. <laughs> you wait. You wait. You wait. I'll see the day. When that lady will be able to work again you wait and see why she's got it that's why she dare. anybody can sit back and do nothing anybody can be the usual anybody can be the norm anybody can be less than they ought to be we need a generation of people in this nation who will say by god's grace i'll dare to dare to be all that i can be charles kettering was president of general motors motors research institute one day he moved to the city His mother stayed out in the country. She had to burn kerosene while he moved to the city. And Charles Kettering said she must have life. She must have life. Somebody said, I dare you to give her life. He took the dare. He said, my mother in the country will have life. The result was the Delco system to light the homes in the rural areas. You can do it. Did you read that in the newspaper about that little child who was about to be attacked by a bear? (laughs) And everybody was afraid, and the child was hopeless hopeless, or helpless, and uh, and the case was hopeless, and and the child was about to be attacked by this bear to take his life. Did you read about that, that mother who grabbed an axe? And with that axe, she killed that bear herself. Why? Because it was her child, that's why. You give me a generation of preachers in America who will say we will be what we can be, we will change this nation for God. You give me a generation of young people in America who will say we will be what we can be. We are there to do all we can do. Now, God doesn't expect you to do what you can't do, but God expects you to do what you can do. <clears throat> it's a tired of, of losers. I don't know what they're tired of losers. I'm tired of you mothers saying to these boys, be good losers, Johnny, or her. Nobody will be a good loser. Ever, ever, ever be a good loser. So what should you do? (coughs) Kill a guy that beats you. I'm not suggesting that at all. But I am suggesting we've got the good loser complex in America. And God knows we've done enough of it. Now let's try being good winners for a change. Call when I was in the army. I've shared this with you. Many of you. I was in the infantry. Then I got in a paratrooper. And then <clears throat> then I uh, I was walking guard almost every other night and pulling KP. They don't have KP anymore. That's what they call kitchen police, but it wasn't police, but it was kitchen. It was actually peeding potatoes and and working in the kitchen. And, uh, <laughs> one day. You know what the fatigue caps were? Remember what a fatigue cap was? <laughs> it was a kind of cap that you wore. It was a greasy old cap that you wore out in the battlefield and you wore it out in maneuvers and you wore it out the rifle range. It was gre- greasy and dirty and filthy. And one day I was on KP and I had, on, uh, of course, you're very fatigued when you're on KP. And I lost the fatigue cap. <coughs> Lost them. Guess where I found them? When I was serving mashed potatoes at noon, I got a, I got a spoonful of, my, of a mashed potatoes. My fatigue cap came up out of the mashed potatoes. <coughs> Guess what I did? I was on KP for a whole week for that. After that, but uh, but uh, I so they came out one day and they said, "Can anybody here type? We have a position open in the personnel division of the office." And they said, "If you if this job is a job." That doesn't, uh, that doesn't require you to full K.P. or walk guard. They said, anybody in this outfit tight? We had 230 men in our company. Nobody raised his hand. I raised mine. <coughs> I raised mine. Say, said, could you type? Sure. And I could type, now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of their country. You say, did he give you the job? Sure, got the job. For nine months, I typed all the captain's letters, For nine months, I typed all the company payroll. Why? Because I went down through the night and sat down there all night long and learned how to type. That's why. And to this day, now I can't, I don't, I can't type right. And and I use the method like this, you know, and and so forth. But I can type 30 words a minute right now. And I haven't typed in a long time. And I can type 30 words a minute. And I mean, that's only making one mistake on a word. (laughs) But, that ain't bad for me, boy. <laughs> but I'm saying there was a job, and I—you will never believe this—but it's true. Now, I was pastor of the Miller Road Baptist Church in Garland, Texas. We were running about four or five hundred Sunday school, and we didn't have a choir director. You're getting ahead of me. <laughs> and I looked everywhere to find somebody to lead the choir, and I couldn't find anybody to lead the choir. He said, what did you do? Led the choir myself. That's what I did. For months, I led the choir. Why? You can do it. Good night. We need some folks to say, well, Paul, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. Now, that doesn't mean I could sing a solo. It just means that I led the choir. You said, what kind of choir did you have? We had a good choir. Why? Of course, we had a good leader. That's why. But you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> but I, but I, the college students come to my office and say, Well, just I, I don't feel like I can do it. Well, do it! Well, I don't feel worthy. Well, do it unworthily! But, but I'm shy. Suck your thumb while you do it, then. But do it! Do it! Do it! Do it! Do it! Do it! I dare you to. I dare some of you young preachers to go out and build the biggest churches in this country. <laughs> I dare some of you missionaries volunteers to go across the seas and build the great mission churches around the world that we ought to have no talking young people I dare you to say by the grace of God I'm going to do something in my life I dare you high school students to say I'll not be mediocre I'll not be less than I ought to be I'll give it all I've got Use what you have Somebody said, Don't count the crowd, count the loaves and fishes. Don't look at the hillside, look at the basket. I'm no author, but I write. I'm no educator, but I found it to the founder college. I'm trying to say there are many things you could do that yeah, you can do that you won't do unless you say, I will do what I can do. I dare you to. Take what you have and use it. Give it your best. David did. Became the greatest king that ever sat on Israel's throne, and David took a sling shot. And fell the giant Goliath. Shamgar used what he had and slew 600 Philistines. And little lad used what he had and fed the 5,000 loaves and fishes. Moses used what he had and parted the waters with a rod and, and crossed the Red Sea and got uh, water from the rock in Horeb. The widow used what she had and gave a little offering that's been heard around the world for 2,000 years. Richard Miller back yonder the comes to our service No arms and no legs. You ought to you know, if that man can go across this country and around this world serving God, you can go to this station every once in a while. <laughs> There's a man born with no arms and no legs. What did he do? <laughs> Learned how to write uh, by holding his tub up here like that and with his mouth. Went to University of Texas. First he went and graduated from grade school. Graduated from high school. we got some kids over here. The, the, you, you, you couple out right here have laughed enough for tonight. I want you to listen the rest of the service. <clears throat> some of you kids quit in high school. Two good arms, two good legs. Richard Miller graduated from high school and got a law degree from University of Texas. No arms and no legs. Learn to play the organ. Learn to play the guitar. No arm. No legs. Look at Phyllis sitting down here. <clears throat> Two feet ten inches tall. <laughs> I got a leg taller than she is. A little bit of run. But she's doing it, covering this country, going from church to church, giving her testimony, riding airplanes. Went to Tennessee Temple College, got her a golf cart and a tricycle. <laughs> Rode the golf cart between buildings and the tricycle between classes. And what'd you get, a B.S.? Bachelor of Theology degree. A little old runt. (coughs) But she did it! (coughs) And yet, some of you, you you college students, you can't stay in college. (coughs) You big six-foot, two-inch baboon, you come to my office and say, I just can't afford to go. Won't you become as big a man as fit as I'd be ashamed of myself. A little old gal, two feet ten, can't even walk. Can't even walk. Rides, uh, rode a golf cart up and down that street in bad weather and good weather and, and, and rode a classical from class to class. And everybody, you know everybody stares at her. You understand that. Two feet, ten inches tall. Everybody's going to look at her. But she's got what it takes. <laughs> you dirty quitter. <laughs> that fella came off of the day. Talented man. That's always a handicap. Good looking man. That's always a handicap. God uses us dumb, ugly guys, doesn't he? He said, I'm up. I'm going to quit school. I'm ready to go out now. I wish he had as much gumption as Phyllis had And has. Stayed with it. I dare you. I dare you. I dare you. But tonight there's something wrong with this country. Tragically wrong. Tragically wrong. I've often said, what have you've got, use it. Keep it up. Give it your best. I've often said if you got a shirt, wash it. If you got shoes, shine them. If you got a yard, mow it. If you've got hair, thank God for it. <coughs> Comb it. How dare you. You know, I don't know if I said this or not, but if I haven't, I want, I want to say it, and if I had, I want to say it again. We, we had a lot of hullabaloo about uh, this bus that was overloaded over in Chicago. And the Tribune put a big article, and everybody's written his letters, and the vineyard's got some slanderous letters. Too many folks on the bus. <clears throat> Something's been overlooked completely in there. Some young man had enough grit to go out and get 113 folks to come to church. Did not hear much about that? <clears throat> did they hear much about that? I mean, whether it's right or wrong, have 113 folks on a bus, before you criticize him, you get 113 on three buses. I'm trying to say, we, we, we've criticized and criticized and criticized, and here's a young man who gave his all and did the job too good or too well and he gets criticized for it. Now you hear me tonight. We need some young men like that. We need some people that say, if I've got a bus route, I'll give it my best. We need some folks who are going to say, if I'm going to sing in church a special number, I'll sing the very best I can. I'll rehearse the best I can. I'll get ready the best I can. I'll stand the best I can. I'll deliver the best I can. Whatever I do for God, I'll give it my best. You teachers that come to school have prepared. <clears throat> just come in and and, uh, and, and and not ready there you hold in, <clears throat> before, before you you hold in your hands the lives of young people their destinies and their futures and their children's future. and a halfway kind of a job God deserves more than that I was up in Elkton, Maryland preaching several years ago and I, uh, the pastor came to me back at the book table, and said, "Doc Piles, I want you to meet my secretary. I th- I, that's unusual. Hardly anybody ever says, I want you to meet my secretary. And I said, okay. He said, now, can <clears throat> you come now? We walked in the auditorium, turned right back in the back and over in the corner. There was a fellow in a wheelchair. He said, "Doc Piles, meet my secretary. The man's arms were paralyzed. On his lap, and they were wilted. Sort of, his hands were sort of, sort of dried up and swiveled and wilted like that. He couldn't even shake my hand. He couldn't even get up. He could not move. He was paralyzed from his neck down, shoulders, arms, hands, fingers, legs, feet, everything. The pastor said, "Meet my secretary." I said, "Sir, there must be some mistake." <clears throat> I said. Uh, this is your secretary. The pastor said yes. He was injured in a serious accident. He's not been able to move anything from his neck down. Been paralyzed now for years. I said, how does it type? <clears throat> he said he gets a stick. Put, push it in his mouth like that. And he pushes a stick on the keys like that. He said he types every letter I write. I've written a little booklet, he said. He types the booklet. He is a full-time secretary, and that man can put out with his mouth and a stick. He can put out more work or as much work as the average secretary can. That man was worth more to God than 90% of the people I know who have two good arms, two good hands, and a healthy body. I dare you to dare. I dare you. Preacher boy, I dare you. Young person, I dare you. Sunday school teacher, I dare you. I like that story Dr. Curtis Sutton tells. <clears throat> I hope I can tell it accurately. A Sunday school class was going to have a big day, and they decided to have 25. And the teacher got up and said, "Boys, we only have a handful here. Let's pray for God to give us 25 in Sunday school next Sunday. And they prayed for 25. Next Sunday came... Here came the boys pouring in. <clears throat> 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 30, 35, 40. No place to put them. Standing up around the side. And nobody could believe it. teacher couldn't believe it. Four, 35, 40, 45, 50. The teacher stood up and he said, I don't know what happened. And one little boy back in the back, sort of timidly and almost afraid, raised his hand and said, I know what happened. The teacher said, What? So the boy said last Sunday morning while y'all was praying for twenty five. I prayed for fifty. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. That's the kind of guy I like. I hate there's several words I hate with a passion, and one of them is can't. Can't. I can't. All you can't do. I can't. Another is I quit. I hate that with a passion. Well, I came to the of the day to quit, and I, 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 I scolded him and got rough on him, and I said, out of, out of the city in the store." that's what I said. I said, I believe, I feel the same way about quitters in my office I do in my pocket." I dare you to dare. Number two, I dare you to care. <clears throat> I dare you to care. <laughs> I dare you to dare. I dare you to care. This old country needs some people that care once again. Some folks with compassion. Some folks with concern. Some folks who can weep for the erring one lift up the fallen and tell them of Jesus the mighty to save. I was out in the western state after service. Folks were lined up to shake my hand get me to sign their Bibles. One the lady was waiting and boy, she was she was really pregnant. I mean, she was really big. She looked like she had swallowed a big watermelon hole. I mean, she was just <clears throat> she was just—I mean, honestly, I—I I, uh, I just thought she wouldn't make it to the hospital. And I kid off a lot about this. And I said, uh, "Little lady, she's a young lady about 21." I said, uh, do "You play tackle for the Chicago Bears," and she grinned and she said, "No, no, sir." I said, "Well, say what you better do. You better lose some weight, cause you sure gained a lot of weight. You better go on a diet." She said, "Well, the kind of weight I've got, you don't lose it on the diet." And then she laughed and she said, at least, she said, what makes me stick out in the front can be cured very quickly. <coughs> and I kept on talking. <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, she, then she, a tear came in her eye. And she said, Dr. Howell, do you have a book on how to rear children? She said, do you have anything you've written on how one parent can rear a child alone? And I said, are you telling me you're not married? And she, a lovely little lady and very sweet. She said, that's right. She said, I'm expecting the baby within a week, and I'm not married. She said, do you have anything at all that would help me, that I could read that would help me to rear my child alone? And I said, no, I don't. But I want to talk to you. I took her over to the side, and I said to the lady, in my church in Hammond, <clears throat> I have some little children whose mothers are in our church who have no father that they know. And those little children now, some of them, getting up four, five, six years old, some are older, they don't know who their father is. And I said, little lady, if you'll let me, I'll tell you what any preacher that's wise and counsels much would tell you. You let your pastor find some good Christian couple that can't have children. And you, when you give birth to the baby, you let the, you let them give the baby to that couple, let them adopt the baby. And I said, by the way, somebody may be saying, Brother Howard, you're cruel. No, you, it does sound that way where you, where you sit, but you sit where I sit for 30 years and you wouldn't think I'm cruel. <clears throat> and I said, you give it to some good Christian? That that couple rear the baby. When I said that, she broke out. She began to sob and she said, that's what, my, what somebody else told me. But she said, "I can't do it. I can't do it." And I said, "Okay. Let's, let's let the baby register for school." And this little thing that the teacher says: father's name, father's age, father's address. What's your baby going to say? I said, "I have some folks facing that right now in Hammond." I said, "Also, I know of numbers of young ladies that have gotten in trouble." And they're in my church now, and they've given their babies up, and I know where the babies are. And the babies are healthy and happy, and they have a good brother and a good father. And then the young ladies that gave birth to the babies, babies now, they've started over again, and they're living good, happy lives. It was a morning service. And I said, uh, you think about it. Wept and she said, If it it's best for the baby, I'll do it. I said, It's best for the baby and best for you. And before you criticize that that decision, that uh, recommendation, Pastor 30 years first, would you? Pastor 30 years first. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> so she said, uh, She cried. And she, I said, You're going to go back, back tonight? She said, Yes. I said, Think about it this afternoon that night I preached and the service was over I went outside and she was at the door I walked out she was outside the door had a smile on her face and tears in her eyes and a friend by her side she looked at me and she said I'm going to do it I'm going to do it tears rolled down her cheeks and a smile a forced smile on her face and I said what she said I talked to a pastor this afternoon he knows a fine couple that wants a child and can't have children I'm going to do it. And I at her and I said, young lady, you're 21 years old and I'm old enough to be your father and then some. I wish you were my daughter. I said, I want to hug you, but I can't. I'd love to put your head on my shoulder let you cry, but I can't. I said, I have a daughter older than you and my heart goes out to you. She started to walk away. I just, my heart just broke right in two. I said, wait a minute. <clears throat> I said, if you have the baby to get back on your feet, become a good Christian. She's been saved while she's been pregnant, by the way. And uh, I, said, uh, uh, I said, I'll said uh, i I'll get you to Christian college. And I said, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. Wherever you want to go to a good Christian college, I'll get you a job somewhere and see to it that you get a chance. She turned around out with she came back she got on her knees before me and she looked up and she said Dr. Hiles you never saw me till this morning I said that's right she said I feel like you're my dad already and I said I'm glad you do I'll never forget what she said she said Dr. Hiles you care don't you and I said yes I do care I do care I dare you to care. There's an old world out yonder in the darkness tonight, folks, that has mighty heavy hearts. There's a world that's travailing and groaning and pain and sorrow and heartache. There are people that need someone to care. Someone to care. Someone to weep. I'll be honest with you. I can't get around. I try, but I can't get around. Third thing. I dare you to dare. I dare you to care. I dare you to bear. I dare you to bear. (laughs) I dare you to bear the burdens of others. I dare you to carry the load of others. I dare you to think of others' needs as your needs, and others' burdens as your burdens, and others' load as your load. I dare you to bear over the fist of people. Honestly, I have to run to get a private moment. (laughs) I do. If I have time to study, I have to run. To get a private moment. Oh, the people. I walk down the hallway in the church. I can scarcely walk down the hallway without being stopped by the house. Can you help me? My hotel room. I can't even stay in the hotel room anymore very long. I want some privacy. They call me and say, Dr. Howes, I heard you're in town. Can you help me? I go to Johnson City, Tennessee tomorrow. Dr. Vineyard, you wrote me a little note and said, A fellow in Johnson City has got to see you. He had some problems. Had some <clears throat> domestic problems and church problems, and, and uh, he's got to see you. And that's the this morning when I got to the church, there was a note under my door waiting for me early this morning, uh, a little after 7 o'clock, a note waiting at my, under my door. It said, call a certain city down south. A preacher's got to talk to you. He cannot walk in his pulpit today. but said, he talks to you. Notes under my door. I, at the airport, usually somebody at the airport's waiting for me. I've got a problem. Can I talk to you? On the back to your room. And after the services, they walk out the door. They follow me to my car. Last Saturday night, last night in, in uh, uh, Seminole, Florida, I preached and walked out the door of a school building where I preached, and a fellow said, can I walk to the car? And I had to hurry to get to the airport. I only had about 40 minutes to get there. It was a 40-minute drive. I was carrying two suitcases and uh, trying to get out of the car. And a fellow said, uh, can I talk to you all the way to the car? And in about two minutes, he had a broken heart and a burden. Somebody needs to help bear the burdens of this old sin-cursed world. They write me in the, in the mail, <laughs> long-distance call after long-distance call. The church people have burdens and the college people have burdens and the high school students have burdens and the preachers have burdens and America has burdens and I spend my life listening to the house. Can you help me? The house? Can you help me? I dare you. dare you. I dare you. I dare you. I dare you to bear the burdens of others. And number four, I dare you to share. I dare you to share. I dare you to lay everything you have on the altar and share it with others. Don't you see what I'm saying? I dare you to dare to do something big for God and be your best. I dare you to care for others while you do and not forget the individual. I dare you to lift up the load, lift the load of those that have burdens and heartaches. And I dare you to share what you have with those in need. Set up straight. I want to read you the sweetest thing you ever heard in your life. I got this today. It's from the Heritage Baptist Temple in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. Man down there is a layman. It's written on church stationery, but he's a layman in the, in the Heritage Baptist Temple in Little Rock, Arkansas. Listen to this. Dear Brother Jack, I'm writing to share a blessing. Don't miss this. I'm writing to share a blessing which I received recently while traveling in old Mexico. I was traveling with a group of preachers and laymen on a missions tour sponsored by the Bearing Precious Seed Ministry of Fort Worth, Texas. We had spent a, a week in preaching the gospel and giving away free Bibles to people in remote mountain villages. Now, I've been to some of those places, way up in the mountains, little villages just as primitive as they can be, way down in Mexico down south of Monterey. Remote mountain villages south of Monterey. We had a few hundred co- copies of New Testament left as we started home. It was decided we should stop and finish the job. Are you listening? We arrived in the town of Cienega de Flores, a little mountain village way back in the backwoods, a remote place in Mexico. <coughs> Just as school was finishing, we were mobbed by kids and young people who wanted a copy of God's Word. Then you see the picture. A lot of little children, little Mexican children, were back in that remote village, coming out of school. No Bibles, nothing to read, no books. And all of a sudden, somebody comes giving away Bibles. They mob them. Listen, since we had left the missionary behind, we were having a problem communicating. These are American folks driving back now. I was attempting to explain to a score or so that the plan of salvation was clearly marked in these Bibles when out of the crowd stepped a young man 13 years old who said in broken English where in the states are you from? I thought here's a godsend opportunity if I can just win this little 13 year old boy to Christ he can help us with the rest of the people so I took him aside and sat down on the park bench in front of the Catholic church and started through the Roman road about halfway through he politely interrupted and said but sir I'm already saved I was skeptical and asked him to tell me about his conversion. He wrote down the story of the little boy, and this is the Lord's little boy. Sir, for several years I lived with my mother in East Chicago. One day a bus worker came to my neighborhood and invited me to go to church. I went and enjoyed the services so much. It was a big, big church. I continued to go on the bus till one day I accepted Christ as my Savior and was baptized. We later moved to Houston and finally back here to Mexico. I asked, was that church the First Baptist Church of Hammond? Yes, he said. My pastor was Dr. Hiles. Do you remember the bus pastor's name? No, only that he was faithful to visit me. He showed me that he loved me. We were ready to leave. I asked Gustavo, the boy, to get on our bus and give the the men a word of testimony. This he did, and what a thrill and joy it was to our hearts. His name and address is Gustavo Quiroga, P U I R O G A, in Cerro Terra Nacional, Canega de Flores, Mexico. I have a little copy of a color slide of this young man, Bible in hand, if you desire, way down in the jungles, up in the mountains of Mexico. A little 13 year old boy. Anybody here remember that name? Was he one of your bus kids? In your Sunday school class. And one of your bus kids. Garcia. God bless you. Sir, you led him to the Lord. And not that amazing? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, there he is. But the thing that impressed me so much, he said, I don't remember the name of the bus captain, only he was faithful to visit me. He showed me. He loved me. That man Garcia right there (coughs) came to our church. He was a Presbyterian. I didn't know he was one, but he was a Presbyterian elder. Never had been born again. Came to our church and got converted. Oh, how faithful he's been to witness. I've seen him. His heart was breaking in two, but he never quit. He kept on going. He tried to find folks to witness to and, and couldn't find them and decided to look in the newspaper and see who was who, who had died. And He'd go to the funeral homes where uh, they're having funerals and stand outside while folks would come in to view the body and witness to him as they came in and out. And one day he was at a funeral home and a family named Arroyo came by. He witnessed to him, and the royals came. And John Arroyo is one of our fine deacons here. and Mrs. Arroyo is a Sunday school teacher of this 13-year-old boy. You know what this old world needs? This old world needs a generation of Christians to dare to dare and to dare to care and to dare to bear the burdens of others and to dare to share what we have with a poor, lost, dying world. I dare you. I dare you. I dare you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us so many sweet little stories like this. That little boy down there, God bless him down there tonight, way down in the mountains and remote little village, <laughs> witnessing to a bunch of strangers and telling them you saved, all because of us. Captain was faithful to visit and loved him and loved him. Dear Lord, thank you that the ministry of this church extends around the world tonight. I pray that you'd help us to take the example of this brother who got out when it was cold, rainy and snowy, hot, just kept on going. Just kept on going. And now, dear Lord, there's an interpreter down in Mexico in the village, already there, ready to help the missionaries get out the gospel and explain the Bible. Dear Lord, I pray you'd help us to dare to dare do the ultimate we can do. Dare to care of the needs of others, and dare to bear the burdens of people who need help so badly, and dare to share what we have with a lonely, heart-sick, sin-cursed, lost world. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Have you been doing less than your best? Huh? Huh? Have you been doing less than your best? Evaristo Garcia will never have a happier moment than he has right now as long as he lives. Never. Ah, it pays to serve Jesus. It pays every day. It pays every step of the way. Though the pathway to glory may sometimes be drear, it pays to serve Jesus each day to give it your best give it your best I wonder who would say tonight for the high <laughs> I've not dared to be my best or maybe somebody said for the high I've been so callous of heart I've not cared as I ought to care brother if you can't care around this area you'll never care anywhere if you can't see the suffering and the heartache around this area and care you'll never care There are those who have not dared to bear the burdens of others. Folks, I can't bear them all by myself. I can't even, I can't begin even to see all the people that need to see me. We're going to have to have a lot of folks to bear burdens of others. Sunday school teachers, bear the burdens of your classes. Help them carry the loads they have to bear. Superintendents, school teachers, Christians, lay people, I dare you to bear and I dare you to share. How long has it been since you bought a pair of shoes for some cold feet? How long has it been since you put a coat on a cold back? How long has it been since you put a piece of bread in a hungry mouth? How long? I wonder how many would say, for the Hiles, God has convicted me tonight. I have not dared to dare, or dared to care, or dared to bear, or dared to share, as would please God. And God has convicted me tonight of an indifference in my life. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand, please, all over the building? Heavenly Father, bless us tonight. Oh, we ought to learn to cry about people. We ought to learn to go home and on our pillows and stay awake at night and care. Dear Lord, has that little girl out west had that baby yet? Did she really give it away? Does the baby have a good home? I'll never see her and i get to heaven probably. Lord, take care of her. What I ask for her, I ask for the hundreds of people in this room who need somebody to care, somebody to bear and somebody to share. So many heavy hearts in this room tonight. Bless these dear ones. Oh my God, give us folks to share, to care, and to bear, and to bear. My heads are bowed. You feel like you need a trip to an old fashioned morning bench tonight. To get on your face and say, Oh my God, I've been so calloused of heart. I've been so unconcerned in my soul. I've been so selfish in my spirit. Or maybe tonight you're here and you've never received Jesus as your Savior. And you'd like to come tonight and profess your faith in him. Maybe you never have been baptized and you want to get baptized tonight. Maybe you want to join this church by transfer. If you're coming trusting Christ or if you're coming for baptism or if you're coming by transfer of membership, I want you to come. We have men down at the front, our assistant pastors here. They'll help you. They'll, they can talk to you. They're experts. They can talk to you and show you what to do and lead you to someone who can take the Bible and show you what you ought to do. You come. If you're just coming to kneel at the altar, you just kneeling where you want to. Father, bless the invitation. I pray that it will be a life-changing hour for some people in this room. I pray that self will be laid on this altar of many of us tonight.